Hey everyone, welcome to the Single Player Experience Podcast, the number one podcast that lets single player gamers find out about good single player games to play and find out who is creating those games. Because we often have developers of the hottest, latest indie games or the hottest, latest games period on the show. And we kind of just find out about how these games came to be. And we're going to do that in this episode because... My guest today is a phenomenal creator of a hot indie game that you should definitely be that should definitely be on your radar. He we've kind of been talking off the air and, you know, got great personality. And he also has a really cool character that we're going to talk about later on right behind him for backup in this episode. But without further ado, I'll let him introduce himself. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest is none other than Jonathan Williams. Jonathan, how you doing today? Hi, Sebastian. Nice to be here. Doing good, thanks. Nah, thank, thank you for being on the show. So I, I got a quick question for you. For the people who may not know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. I'm uh, I'm Jonathan. I'm I'm the founder of A-Game Studios, um, which is uh, a little company I started about three years ago uh, based out of Ottawa, Ontario. Uh, we're, we're about four or five developers right now. Uh, we're still working on our first game. It's it's getting close to the finish line, and uh, we do have a second game in development at the prototype stage. Oh, so that's, that's exciting! Uh, yeah, that's exciting. So yeah, it, um, like I was fortunate enough to be able to check this game out at PAX. Um, Star Salvager. You know, that's a really cool name, by the way. Rings off the t- like really rolls off the tongue there, but. I got a chance to play this at PAX, was really impressed. And so I really had to follow up for a follow-up interview and everything like that. A very dedicated episode about the game. I really want to ask you, though, how long has it been in development? Um, So off and on for three years now, uh, which is, you know, way longer than I ever expected it to take. Uh, this, was, this was supposed to be a, a six-month project. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was supposed to be the simplest game idea I could I could come up with, um, but you know that just kind of shows you um, my ignorance about game development um, and you know how little I knew at the time. Um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't tell you that I I, I used to be in um, film and television, so that's oh, really? that's my background. I worked in the in production and film and TV uh, for many years, uh, so I'm I'm relatively new to the game industry. Uh, and it's something, you know, I always wanted to do as a kid. And it's, it's, it, it was actually COVID uh, that um, was the incentive for this project. Um, I, was, I was working in film and TV and that whole industry just kind of shut down uh, indefinitely. And um, so that's when I kind of said, you know, this is a, a great time to, 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 to try my hand at video games. And it's something I can do remotely. It's something that'll, uh, you know, get me out of the big city of Toronto and back to my hometown of Ottawa. And uh, so now, yeah, it's been it's been about three years now, and and I still haven't gone back to work in film and TV. So I guess that means we're doing something right. It sounds like it. it. Sounds like it. So for the people who don't know about the game, can you give the general pitch on it? Sure. Um, so Star Salvager is is a roguelike arcade puzzle game. Uh, so it's got like a core loop that is a mix of old school arcade genres. It's partially a vertical scroller shooter, shooter 
um, and it's partly uh, a falling block puzzle game. Uh, so a lot of people describe it as like Tetris meets Galaga or Tetris meets Space Invaders, something like that. Um, and we've we've kind of taken these these old school arcade genres and we've wrapped them up in a roguelike uh, metagame. So that that kind of brings a more modern uh, spin, even though the rogue, you know, roguelike has been around for a long time. It's really seeing a resurgence um, these days and uh, and and it kind of brings these arcade games into the modern era and gives a new twist on people that love them. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. How did you come up with the idea for this game? This is really cool. Like, I've played tons of roguelike games, but this feels different. It feels unique. It feels fresh. And that was one of my takeaways from PAX. Um, how? What was the inspiration behind it? Um, so I, I guess the original idea was, um, I was looking at making a spin on Tetris, where instead of you know rotating the puzzle pieces you rotate yourself. So you, mm -hmm. you rotate a little ship and, and all these puzzle pieces land on top of you. Um, it, it turned out that that didn't work at all. Uh, you, you really get like, you get super huge, super quickly. And these, these big puzzle shapes just make a kind of a sprawling mess. Um, so it's, it, it was really impossible, but uh, so I, I opted for kind of a smaller, you know, individual blocks falling down but still making making shapes around a central core. Um, so that was that was the original idea. Um, I was also inspired by uh, survival games like Don't Starve. And I was actually trying to make like a really minimalist survival game at the time. I wasn't trying to make a roguelike at all. Um, but again, that was something that we tried and 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 just didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, play sessions were way too long and and the crafting um the crafting was way too complicated so let's just say there's been a lot of twists and turns in in the in the development of this game that's fun it sounds like you learned a lot of lessons throughout did, did you feel like you know this is your first major game do you feel like um some of your previous experiences in the tim like tv and film industry kind of helped you here or was it still like a huge learning curve uh there was a massive learning curve um but i do think that in some areas like <clears throat> like narrative for mm -hmm. example like the storytelling aspect i had uh down pat i've worked for uh you know a number of years as a screenwriter so that that element of it was kind of in my back pocket i said well if all else fails i can make some you know funny dialogue and uh maybe people like that um and also it's it, you know it's a it's a visual storytelling medium right like the, the, there is a certain amount of uh just you know, framing composition and and stuff like that that helps with uh, with the design of a of a video game. So there there are some crossover um, aspects to be sure, mm -hmm. um, but definitely, you know, I, I've learned an incredible amount about uh, game development uh, since then, and um, and if I knew then what I know now, <laughs> there's no way I would have attempted this game uh, at all. So it's kind of a testament to, you know, my my lack of knowledge of the of the industry that this game even exists at all that's really fun so were you a big gamer before, uh, like prior to starting this project what's your gaming history like i mean i've i've always been a gamer i wouldn't say i've ever been like a hardcore gamer mm -hmm. um but definitely i was right in there at the at the dawn of uh you know commodore 64 and trash 80 and, and that sort of thing i was i was in there with the 
with a tape deck, you know, recording, loading games from a, from a tape deck onto the computer and typing them in myself from the back of magazines and stuff like that. So that shows you how long I've been in, in a, <laughs> a gamer kind of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely haven't been serious about it until the last few years. Oh, that's so like, give me give me some of your top games of all time. What was some of your most played games? Uh, definitely Civilization, that series. Already, uh, same here. It, it kind of is in a class of its own in terms of <laughs> how many hours I've sunk into it. Um, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, you know, some other ones I've liked along the way have been, uh, well, obviously the Dark Souls series is absolutely incredible. So that's that's probably a more recent favorite. Going back, um, I can remember playing Twisted Metal. Do you remember oh, mm-hmm. Twisted Metal series on PS2, I think it was? But mm-hmm. uh, that, that was my university kind of party game of choice. Like uh, you get two or three people together. And I think you could have actually four player script, split screen on that game. Yeah. And mm-hmm. shooting each other with car vehicles. Everybody's a crazy vehicle in Battle Royale and vehicles. And uh, there was nothing like it. <laughs> no, there really wasn't. I still have like fond memories of um playing. I think it was um Sweet Tooth, um if I remember correctly. Yeah, Sweet Tooth and in the, the gang and such like that. Playing that. Um, yeah, Twisted Metal. If it's it's a like a game of its time for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. Like I I almost wish like some games would kind of make a comeback and Twisted. I would be very curious to see what Twisted Metal looked like in today's time and. And in yeah. civilization, I'm the same way. I I've put forth like that, probably that thousand hour plus into a, the civilization yeah. games. Yeah, it's embarrassing though. Even though I put all that time into it, I'm <laughs> not very good. <laughs> I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Um, so do you feel like um like playing those games growing up? You you kind of like had any of those inspirations like that kind of went into your game this going around. Um, definitely. Um, those particular games, I mean, you know, I I can actually look at them and draw the parallels. Like, uh, um, there's definitely, I mean, the funny thing is that, that, that before I even had this, uh, this game concept, I I had a, a more complex one called robot wars, which was very much the same like in space two blocky spaceships attacking each other firing things at each other you you could draw it all the way back to twisted metal if you want but um i quickly kind of realized that that was you know beyond the scope of uh my ambitions so Mm -hmm. so dialed it down um i don't know how to fit you know i don't really know how to fit uh civilizations into this but i (laughs) i can draw another interesting parallel between eve online like oh that's one of the ones I forgot to mention, but I, I sunk an obscene amount of time into Eve online uh, just, just before the birth of my first child. I, I have two kids now, but uh, which kind of ended my Eve online career. <laughs> but uh, just before that, I was playing Eve online and I was always amazed at how the, um, you know, there's this beautiful economy that players spend thousands of hours building things, you know, building spaceship parts and, bigger and bigger and planetary interaction, harvesting the materials, trading them with each other. And it's all in the name of building up these spaceships. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a whole different set of players comes 
along, takes these spaceships and just trashes them. You know, interstellar combat, all the spaceships get destroyed. The thousands of hours of player investment get destroyed. And that was, you know, that was the inspiration for me putting enemies into this puzzle game, which is really weird to say, but like, it's, it's an, it's a really effective like economy sink. You know what I mean? Like you're building stuff up. Mm -hmm. So how do we, how do we then just, you know, where does all that stuff you're building go? Well, it goes into combat. So in, in star salvager, like you're, you're collecting all these blocks and they're basically creating ammo that you're using to fire at these enemies, which are coming at you and, you know, everything kind of gets destroyed and it helps to balance out, um, you know, keep yourself small, basically. Does that make well, any sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. So like, you, this game's been in development for a little while now, but you're nearing the finish line. What's that? What's that feel like? You know, do you feel? Do you have like some of that nervous energy of like I'm almost there, or is it more like I man, I'm just focused on the goal right now? Um. Well, I would say that like, you know, you you saw our booth at PAX, mm -hmm. and that was kind of a that was a real turning point for our studio because I think before that we had we had had a lot of people play test the game, but you know, mostly family and friends and you, you can only trust their opinions so much. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We really didn't actually know if there was a market for this crazy game. Like we just, we didn't, you know, I, I often suspected that I was the only one who would ever enjoy playing this game. Um, but, you know, we, we took it to PAX and we honestly had a overwhelmingly positive, uh, feedback from from players and 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 i think our whole team felt that and our and and that is it was a real kind of revitalization of you know kind of our our flagging energies at the time like it's it's really inspired us to get across the finish line and to put everything we have into marketing this game because yeah we we, we know some that there's definitely a a healthy segment of people that that are enjoying it so it's, that's that is really that's really cool. It's almost like it was like a, and not it was almost like the Gatorade get hype moment of like you know like it reinvigorated everyone to basically have that experience at PAX. And I was you know I'm not a game developer, but I I kind of understand. I was I came back from PAX and I was just like yeah I'm ready now. Let's let's kind of get back on the grind. So I kind of understand that. I want to ask you though, like the general game, uh, like if you who's the target audience for this game? Yeah, that's a great question that I don't have an answer for. <laughs> <laughs> I I know that you're supposed to design games for specific subsets of people. Mm -hmm. uh, but honestly, like I keep getting surprised at what kinds of people like this game. You know, like uh, my eight-year-old son's friends really love this game. Uh, you know, I've we had, you know, 40-year-old female influencer andrea renee just mm -hmm. fall in love with the game like I, i'm i'm not really sure how to just like to predict this these demographics right like uh and then you have you have the people that actually remember um you know playing tetris or playing space invaders in the arcades in the 80s so this is a definite older demographic um i think it's something that we're just gonna have to um 
like it's something I'm curious about and it's it's something that we will be paying attention to as we go go into early access. We'll just be looking at who's enjoying this game the most and kind of double down on uh, marketing it to or targeting it to those those people. But at this point, I think we're just, uh, you know, the jury's kind of out on, on that. Yeah, that, that's going to be interesting to see, you know, like so who's the demographics over time goes. But I think that's a really cool thing that you can kind of appeal to so many different people across like different demos, you know, like it, I, it's one of those things that, that you kind of see in some of the great games of all time. Like recently, um, you know, one of the game of the years was Hades, you know, and like Hades is a game that he, uh, like when you first heard about it, you'd probably be like, okay, I can kind of maybe picture this demographic, but like everybody loved that game. It was universally yeah. loved by all. And that's, one of the things where like even even before you mentioned like the Dark Souls series, which is like a very niche audience, I'd probably say. But then like Elden Ring hit last year and that was a game to where it was universally acclaimed and universally loved by people who weren't necessarily Dark Souls fans, you know, or Demon Souls fans. So it, that I think you have something here. Like, I think that's a testament of like you're onto something special. How does that feel? Um, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll take your word for it, but uh, <laughs> I'll believe it when the, when the sales numbers come in. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, if it were true, that would be amazing. Really, it would be, you know, that, that would be my dream mm -hmm. to have a really accessible game that, that you know, was, was liked uh, by many different uh, kinds of people. Because, uh, That's fun. That's fun. So, you know, you've been you've been on the grind um making this game for a while i gotta say what's your favorite feature of the game hmm, that's a good question um <clears throat> i prefer like my favorite feature actually is one that came from uh play testers so mm -hmm. it wasn't my idea at all but it's it's the fact that when you spin around really fast you start to sh shed blocks right so like we 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 kind of call it centrifugal to bittery that's what we call it internally but uh you know you whip around really fast and all of a sudden your blocks start flying off and they can actually hurt the the enemies if they hit an enemy you know that <laughs> so it's like this really random last chance weapon that also helps helps control your size if you're getting too big you can get smaller so it's a, it's a really cool mechanic that i take no credit for but uh <laughs> glad it's in the game that's really cool so you so you say you take no credit for it you feel like it was a, a fun happenstance you know i mean it was it was actually suggested by one of our playtesters. so um you know he's he made the suggestion and i i said that's genius yeah we're gonna try that and it, it definitely worked and so you know um i wanted to talk to you a little bit about that like how, what was it like to get feedback from your game for the first time um I mean, so we've 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 had feedback from playtesters on a mm -hmm. regular basis for about a year and a half. So I think over a hundred people have sat down, you know, played the game for an hour, or well, at least half an hour on Discord, and given us really great feedback. So, um, you know, it's it's not like we made it in a vacuum and then and launched it at PAX. Like we we have been paying close attention to you know what what players have been saying. Um, and they've always had, you know, probably each person we play with has about 10, 10 different actionable, really great suggestions that we could imp um, to improve the game. Um, so 
I, it's almost like when we, you know, like I was saying, you, you can't really judge where, whether or not they would actually play this game. Like, even though they sit down and give you their time like that, you don't know whether this is really someone who would buy this game. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it didn't help that it was mostly family <laughs> actually connected to us in some, you know, two degrees of separation. So, um, but when it, when it came time to go to PAX and all of a sudden we had probably a thousand people play the game in the span of three days, um, that was such an overwhelming amount of feedback that we couldn't, we weren't even prepared to like record it. We didn't, we just kind of loosely paid attention and um, there were some trends. There were definitely some, you know, certain number of people wanted to see a multiplayer version and other people wanted to, you know, but it's a really strange environment, the showcase environment. People don't have a lot of time They're They want to go on to the next, play the next game. So they don't actually sit down and, and play the tutorials. They don't have time for that. They just want to, you know, get their hands on something for five, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, at, at the same time, you kind of have to take their feedback, like just very generally, um, uh, cause, cause usually they, they haven't actually s- sat down and, uh, you know, put in the, put in the time to, to learn the rules of the game before they start playing it. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like they haven't gotten a chance to let it marinate and sit with them and got to formulate like like real real strategic thoughts about like improvements, you know? Yeah, but like the main takeaway was that they they were into it. You know, within within about three or four minutes, they realized that it was a lot. There was a lot more to it than they mm-hmm. thought. You know what I mean? It's it looks like it might be a very simple game, like a puzzle game. But then you get into it and, and people are kind of like, oh, OK, I see. This is this is deep. <laughs> that was so my that, takeaway as well. Because <laughs> yeah, at I first like, I was uh, I was fooled. I was I was thinking this was going to be a little bit more simple than what it, it turned out to be. And I was just like, oh, this has a lot. It's a lot more layered than I, than it first appears. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a challenge for us to to rein it in, you know, like the. <laughs> about a year ago it was just way too confusing way too much happening on the screen everybody who played it was just kind of overwhelmed and uh so we, we our mission and like in the last little while has just been stripping it down like how do we make how do we, what can we take out to make this you know palatable and to to make the learning curve smooth well, that's fun that's fun so you know you your teammates, what do you what would you probably say their favorite feature of the game is? Um, I mean, I have uh definitely my quality assurance uh tester. Her her favorite feature is the is the characters. Uh she's she's m- much more into the characters, the dialogue, and uh, you know, sees the cosplay potential uh of this game. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't actually done a poll to see who who likes what <laughs> most but um you can tell that the different people gravitate to different things so some mm-hmm. for some people it's the puzzle solving for some people it's the combat some people it's the narrative um yeah mm-hmm. i kind of i kind of like all three of those things which is uh why i made the game Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let that's a good segue let's talk about the narrative because um you have a very interesting character right behind you one of the main characters of the game like can you give us a little snippet of the narrative yeah so the basic 
premise is that, you know, you are the captain of this um, intergalactic drone fighting team. And you have, you were on your way to this, um, the championships of the drone fighting championships of the universe. Uh, and, and you were kind of waylaid on your way. And I, uh, you ended up getting tangled up in this asteroid belt uh, that, that isn't on any maps. And it's kind of like, you know, the, the Bermuda Triangle of asteroid belts. There are literally ship, shipwrecks everywhere in this place. Um, so there's something going on. You don't know what it is, uh, but it's kind of fortunate because you actually need the, the, the salvage from these other shipwrecks to repair your own ship and, and get out of there. Um, so, yeah, it's about, you know, the, the narrative is, is, uh, is about uncovering who these characters are who these characters are, who this team is um, that, that is kind of stranded together and what is this strange, mysterious force that is, you know, drawing people and, and, sh and pilots to their doom inside the middle of this asteroid belt. That's, That's really it. cool. Mm -hmm. So I take it your um, background um, with TV and movies kind of, kind of helped you to craft this lore. Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, um, I, we honestly haven't gone too deep with it yet. It's, it's still, we've been focusing on other things. Um, but, uh, the, the game, I think I, I learned this from Hades, right? I, I, I don't know that they actually gave the whole narrative when they first launched in early access. Um, do you know if they did? I, I don't I think so. I, I, um, I don't recall to be fair, but like, I don't think they did because I remember um, playing a bit of the early access stuff and like some elements um, really surprised me, especially in the later, like later stages of the game. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something that's going to, you know, keep evolving and, and we're, we're kind of holding, holding back on the narrative until we have the gameplay completely ironed out and, and get a lot of feedback from players um and and then we'll probably like spring the full narrative on people uh for our 1.0 launch that's fun that that is fun do you have a like a time estimate on how long the game is going to be for the main story um i think that you can you know you can complete the game in an hour and a half uh <laughs> If you, if you know what you're doing mm -hmm. um, but yeah there's at least like between 20 and 100 hours of gameplay to get you to that point where you can actually finish the game in an hour and a half you yeah. know what i mean yeah that's yeah for sure for sure it, it's yeah. well it's probably gonna be one of those games to where like it it's people are probably gonna get 40 hours in minimum at minimum from this and i yeah. I'm so curious to see what people are like the way people play this game, because I feel like there's kind of going to be different play styles involved as well. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, roguelikes are great for replayability. Right. And, uh, and, and I also, you know, appreciate how, how detailed they get in, in like the statistics of things. Like you can go into like monster train and, and look, look at every run you've ever done and how many, you know, minutes did you spend in that? What, how, what was your damage in that run? And, uh, you know, all these like minute statistical details. 
Um, I just think that stuff is fun. And, and that's kind of what, uh, what keeps a certain uh, type of player engaged, mm -hmm. uh, just trying to maximize all the stats. So this being your first game and your first roguelike, how much, um, how much like, like, I, I want to say research did you do into the roguelike genre? And what oh, other games did you play? Yeah, I played a lot of a lot of roguelikes. Definitely played all the all the top roguelikes on the market. Mm -hmm. um, I think that you know some of them are just too hard for me. Like the the harder core, like actual rogue roguelikes uh, mm -hmm. are harder. I, I guess I'm probably more of a roguelite fan, mm -hmm. uh, like Hades, like uh, games that give you a little bit of persistent progress, even if you you know even if you fail. Um, I, I particularly like Gunfire Reborn. I think that's like one of my favorite roguelikes. It's like a third person shooter, uh, a first person shooter, I guess. And um, yeah, just really fun mechanics, but but has that roguelike drive to it that I, yeah, I love. And it's multiplayer too, so you can play with friends. So that's a lot of fun. That is fun. So Star Salvager, uh, this right now is available in early access on Steam right now. Is it going to be available on GOG as well? It is not actually available right now on early access. Uh, oh. I'm sorry that you. It is coming out on early access this uh, late summer. So August, probably August or maybe September. My my apologies there. <laughs> my apologies. Um, That's exciting, though. That is really exciting. We're going to do, like, we have a few more demos lined up. We're going to be in the Steam Next Fest in June. Uh, so people can try the try the demo at that point. We're probably just going to make it live for a few weeks around that that time. Um, uh, but otherwise, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be late summer before it goes early access. And then it'll probably stay in early access for a year before, uh, before our official launch on other platforms. So um, if if I remember correctly, full controller support, right? Full controller support right now definitely plays best on an Xbox or PS uh, controller. Um, yeah, that's my favorite way to play it. Same here. <laughs> Same here. I'm not the biggest mouse and keyboard person. So like uh, no. knowing that I had a controller was very much a, a plus there. Yeah, yeah. And as as you saw, we brought a full-sized actual arcade cabinet to the mm -hmm. box and that's another way I play it with a joystick and buttons. And, you know, that gives you a certain uh, nostalgic uh, thrill. But uh, again, it's not, it's not actually my favorite way to play. It's uh, I find that like I'm too tall for an arcade console. And so my mm -hmm. wrist starts to hurt after a while. And uh, yeah, the, those, those joysticks are definitely not as uh, there, there's way too much bounce back in them. And they're, they're not, they're just not like a, a controller i don't know maybe if we spent some more time optimizing it for the caption <laughs> it would get better you know but, the i i i you know this is a hot take of course but i feel like we we romanticize almost that arcade element to where like it, the experience was more the experience was fun don't get me wrong but like it was less taxing than what we remember or more taxing than what we remember because like playing playing like on an arcade cabinet nowadays to me feels like oh man it's i have to stand up all the time my back gets yeah. a little tight <laughs> you know like the control i have to worry about the control elements so my hand kind of yeah. cramps i'm not built that way anymore <laughs> yeah. i think we both prefer to be on our couch and uh in front of our big screen tv
exactly exactly so so i gotta ask you um we so we've been talking about the game we've been talking about like the development cycle the hard work y'all y'all put in give people some idea of the character behind you can you can you introduce us to it amanita um so amanita is a you know a type of fungus uh who likes to present as humanoid uh, mm-hmm. but she has a lot of cyborg parts that are controlled by her various uh, tentacle uh, roots. And um, yeah, she's a little bit of a pirate. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, she's a pirate um, engineer, I guess. She, she fills the engineer function on the ship. Um, she, she has an addiction to sap, a, a little bit of a sap addiction um, that becomes a problem in the mm-hmm. narrative. She runs out. Um, other than that, uh, she has four thousand brothers and sisters across the galaxy, spread out. Um, and yeah, that's about all I know about Amanita. She's a laid back. She's she's pretty <laughs> chill though. She's stark snarky. She has a, a real uh, sense of humor, and it's, it's kind of uh, sharp sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, th- I I I I quite enjoy her. So uh, I take it you're a big sci-fi person. Sci-fi? Mm-hmm. Yep. I like the genre. Yeah, yeah, you got to <laughs> with a character like that behind you. I yeah, I, I love the sci-fi genre for sure. Um, gaming, movies, yeah, what have you. Um, all right. So, um, my last question about the game. Um, we we talked about when it'll be available for early access and everything like that. But what? is your final pitch uh, to the people listening on why they should check it out? You should check this game out because I guarantee you've never played anything like it in your life. Um, it's, it's really for people who want to try something new are open to something new. Um, yeah. But who, who, who might have uh, an affinity for either Tetris old school, old school arcade games, or or the roguelike genre, so if I like, you like that. those three things, please do check it out. It'll 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 have something new for you. I like it. So everyone, do put this on your your wish list. Um, go check this out. The link of the Steam link will be in the description of this episode. Is there a Discord also for um the community? Oh, there for the game, is. yeah, there's a Discord. Um. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're, we are looking for wish lists right now. I should mention that we we have a we have a promotion going on where you can actually, um, if you wish list the game right now uh, through our website, you can win one of a hundred copies of the game. You can win a Steam Deck, or or the grand prize is actually the full size arcade cabinet itself. <laughs> so you stand a chance if you wish list it uh, before June thirtieth, you can uh, you can win the arcade cabinet. All right, so all you arcade cabinet fans, you already know what to do. Go wish list this game. You have a possibility of winning this and adding a really cool arcade cabinet to your collection. I happen to see the arcade cabinet at PAX. It is really cool. It's the same one, right? It's the same one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a really cool one. It definitely, it definitely gonna add um some flavor to your collection. So. Jonathan, but without further ado, we are almost out of time, but I have two qu- two last questions for you overall. And my first one is, are you ready? Because it is time for our pro nerd trivia portion of the show. Are you ready to embark on this no, journey? No, 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 no. <laughs> I can't, I can't 
Come on. I feel you. I like the enthusiasm. All right. <laughs> all right. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is time for the Pro Nerd Trivia Challenge. You, you already know the rules if you listen to the show. If this is your first time listening, he is going to get five questions. I have with me right here the Wheel of Destiny. Whatever category the wheel lands on is the category he is going to be presented with. That's where the question is coming from. So here we go. Our first category is in the realm of Harry Potter. Harry mm -hmm. Potter is our first category. So okay. in Harry Potter, what is the name of the first book or movie of Harry Potter? Uh, <laughs> Philosopher's Stone. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. That is correct. That is correct. He is yeah. on the board. Yeah. So, all right, he's on the board. He's got momentum on his side right now. Let's see if he can keep this up. All right, our second question is in the realm of Star Wars. Star Wars, here we go. All right, so there is a character by the name or the nickname of Baby Yoda, famous for his appearance in the Mandalorian series. What is Baby Yoda's real name? Ah, nope. Fail <laughs> <laughs> you there. It's I, all right. What it's is a, it? It is Grogu. Grogu. Oh yes. Okay. Told Grogu. you. How good. Did you um watch the show? I absolutely did. Yeah, watched the whole thing. Loved it. <clears throat> At one point, I knew it was Grogu. Yeah, I understand. Ago, many months ago. Yeah. I understand. All right. So our next category is in the realm. Oof, this is always a tough one. Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings. Are you confident with this category? Because this one seems to be a tricky one for most most of the guests. I mean, I'm I'm confident in no categories, but this is <laughs> this is as good as any. So. <laughs> I like it. I like the confidence. All right. So. All right. So. In The Hobbit, what was the name of Thorin's elven sword that originally came from Gondwin? Hmm. In The Hobbit, what was the name of Thorin's elven sword that originally came from Godolin? Uh, elven sword. Oh, man. It's been a while since I've seen The Hobbit movies. Yeah, no, I have no idea. <laughs> it is the answer. Is sword, What's up? Is, is that sword not in the Lord of the Rings, like the the movie series? I let me see and verify, but it, you know, the, the answer is Orcrist. Orcrist, yeah. Never, never would have got that. No, I probably wouldn't have gotten that either. But its nickname is Goblin Cleaver. Um, it looks like. It looks like it was just in the Hobbits. Um, specifically, it was mentioned in the three Hobbit movies. So it does not mention that it was in the original series, original trilogy. Okay. All right. So learn something new today. Sure. Let's. <laughs> all right. Um. Let's go with. 
If this was that millionaire show, I should have quit after the first question. That's yeah, you would you would have walked away with what I think it's a thousand dollars back then. Dollars, yeah. <laughs> not even like a hundred bucks. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so our next category is in the realm of Nintendo. Oh, Nintendo. Yeah. All right, so. Name the protagonist, the main character that you get to play as in the hit Nintendo game, Breath of the Wild. Well, that would be Link, I believe. Okay, yeah, you got that one right, too. Is that right? Yeah, you got that one right. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Are you going to be playing on the sequel, Tears of the Kingdom? Uh, Yeah, I would definitely give that a shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm uh, uh, all right. So, our last one is in the realm of PlayStation. Uh, PlayStation, this one might be a little tricky. Um, all right, mm. oh, all right. So, what when did the PlayStation first hit store shelves in Japan? Hmm. What year did PlayStation first hit sh shelves in Japan? Hmm. Okay. I'll take a guess. I'm going to say 1991. Ooh. Final answer? I'm clearly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was curious. I'm like, I was curious. 1990. Um, How about that? 1990. Okay. The original PlayStation was released in December 3rd, 1994. Uh, really? 19... Wow. Hold on. Let me make sure. Let me make sure. But yeah, 1994 is what, what I'm hearing right here. Okay. That is... That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. I thought it was a little earlier than that, but yeah. 1994. So I guess I didn't play it. And, okay, I won't even date myself by saying we're <laughs> 94, but uh, clearly I wasn't playing the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, I was very young whenever we originally got the first PlayStation. So I definitely did. I didn't. I didn't even play it. I mean, I PlayStation Two was the first one. That I oh, had. really? Totally skipped. I think I took a break from consoles altogether. Like. You know, because I was a Commodore 64, Atari 1040 ST mm -hmm. kind of guy, but uh, so I missed the I missed the Nintendo generation and and the early Playstations. So it wasn't until yeah, it was late university for me that I was um, getting into and and it was Twisted Metal again that got me back. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. What game is being played the most at your house currently? Minecraft is the game that's being played <laughs> most by my eight year old. Mm -hmm. I cannot tear him away from it. He plays it and he watches Minecraft videos on YouTube up in the corner of his screen at the same time. He does it for hours. So. <laughs> That's fun. I, you know, um, there's like some like I was talking to another developer recently where they talked about like the power of Minecraft shaping like new developers in gaming. Like they said, it's like the way that world builds and the way like the functions build, it's like almost teaching kids how to at least, you know, kind of develop worlds and develop video games. Do you sort of see your eight year old going into that path, following your footsteps there? 
Uh, yeah, I do. Absolutely. He's, uh, you know, actually my wife is a professor in a video game studies at the <laughs> of Toronto. So there's just, there's no saving the child. He, he's uh, <laughs> to be in the video game business. <laughs> that's, that's fun. Yeah. That's fun. So before we go, my last question for you is where can the good people find you? Um, well, I guess we'll, we'll give a link to our steam page, uh, mm -hmm. somewhere in the, in the, notes. the description. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, our steam page is, is the best way to find all of our other social media channels. So just start there. All right. Sounds like a plan. Jonathan, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I really am excited for the re release of this game later this year in early access. I really, really, really encourage everyone to check this one out. It is very dope. It is one of the games that I played during PAX and was like really taken aback from because like I told you, that mixture of genres, I don't see that too often, uh, especially in the roguelike genre. And I want to shout you out for for doing um, not only this show, but creating such a special game. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Sebastian. No, 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 man. Thank you. You're the rock star. Thank you so much for being on the show. I want to say, though, you're always welcome back. If you want to come back when the show when the game is actually, you know, in the shelves, I would love to have you back to talk again. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Appreciate All right. Until next time, everyone, Go before we go, though, go check out this game. Also, go check out the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place where you can also find out about good single player games to play, talk to other like-minded single player gamers, and just get video game recommendations and reviews. So the link to that will also be in the description of this episode. In the meanwhile, I've been Sebastian. That's been Jonathan from A Studios, A Game Studios, and we're out. Bye, everyone. Hey, thank you so much for watching the video. If you liked the video, hit that like button. Also, for more videos just like this one, go ahead and hit that subscribe button right here. Thanks again for watching the video, and for more like it, stay right here at the Pro Nerd Report channel. So, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for watching the video. If you liked the video, don't forget to hit that like button. Also, hit the subscribe button for more videos just like this one. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's a perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games that they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good single player games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game you think should be recommended and should be reviewed, let me know about it right there. Before we go, I just want to thank you once again for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to Jonathan Williams for being on the show today. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the Single Player Experience Discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!